Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Sensible Hippie Podcast, and I'm your host, the Sensible Hippie. Tonight, we are exploring a unique Victorian tradition, the telling of ghost stories on Christmas Eve, a practice as intriguing as it is shadowy. On this wintry night, the glow of the fireplace and the chill of the air set the stage for eerie tales that were a staple of Victorian Christmas. It wasn't just about festive cheer. It was an opportunity to embrace the mysterious and macabre aspects of the season. In this era, Christmas Eve was a tapestry woven with legends and whispers of the unknown. Victorian families gathered to share stories that touched on a deeper theme of life, death, and the afterlife, partly influenced by the era's high mortality rates. These ghostly narratives from the haunting pages of Dickens to the chilling tales of M.R. James were more than entertainment. They were a ritual that brought families together in a shared experience of the sublime and the supernatural. But as time went on, with the advent of electric lights and changing of social norms, this tradition faded into the background, replaced by more lighthearted celebrations, one that we've come to know today. Yet the allure of good ghost stories around Christmas still lingers in our collective consciousness. A whisper from the past, reminding us of the time when Christmas was as much of an unseen and the otherworldly as it was about joy and celebration. As we continue exploring the shadowy corners of the holiday tradition, I'm excited to welcome my very special guest to the Sensible Hippie podcast. Joining us today is John Olson. He's a renowned author of the Stranger Bridgeland series. John's expertise in unearthing and narrating these mysteries and paranormal has captivated us. So he's here today to share some spine tingling tales, including an exclusive from his upcoming book. So get ready for a journey and a treat into the unknown. Welcome, John. Done shopping? Um, you know, this year, for the most part, we all decided in my family to do uh, made gifts. And oh, so nice. uh, I made a, uh, yeah, so I'm done. I, I It was kind done of done making really hurry. But yeah, I finally made so <laughs> finished making. So um, uh, I, I do That's woodworking awesome. and stuff. So I, I made some stuff for the family. And so, oh, really? And, yeah. So it's a lot awesome. of fun. Awesome. Multi-talented. Well, I don't know yeah, about that. <laughs> those are the best gifts when it comes from your heart like that. <laughs> I think so too. You know, um, people really like, you know, when you have, you have memories along with it. So I think it works out good. So, but. Yes. Yeah. How's your dog? Good. 
he's doing really good. He's doing a lot better. So um, he Aww. he struggled there for a little oh, bit. He good. has a problem with getting into stuff he's not supposed to, but uh, yeah. he's doing good. So I've got two dogs, and they're both doing. <laughs> he's good a dog. Well, so it's a dog. It's yeah. Mm. He's he's Aww. fun. He's so calm, and then the little mm. one is younger, and so she's a little crazy, but. Anyway, how was your trip? How was your trip Sounds to um, how was your trip to Egypt? Egypt. Yeah, it was great. It was oh, really great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I don't know if I'll go back not anytime soon, um, mm -hmm. but it was really good. I got to see the pyramid. I got to go in the pyramid. Um, yeah, it was everything that I wanted. So, oh, good. Check that good, off my good. bucket list. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely on my list. There's I, there's a bunch of places I'd love to go visit, and that's definitely one of them. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's a definitely different culture. That's for sure, completely different. Right. So, but it was very interesting. I'm glad to have experienced it oh, once that's in a good. lifetime. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, it's one of those things that <laughs> just so much history there and everything. It's pretty fabulous. So I've got, I actually have two stories oh, that I'd love to tell. Um, one Ooh, is yay. from one of my books and one is actually going in my next book. So it kind of works out good. You guys are going to get a sneak peek at the next book. So that's <gasps> uh, kind of a good thing there. But Ooh, <clears throat> yay. The, the first one. Yeah, thank is, you. Uh, yeah, no worries. The first one is, is it's not necessarily a ghost story. It's more of a, a strange experience and it's happened right around Christmas and around, um, this strange time for this gentleman. His, his name is Noah and he contacted me, um, quite a couple years ago, I believe, um, everything kind of goes together with when I do my interviews and stuff. But the name of this story is actually called The Warning. And he, he grew up in, in the UK. He lives in the UK. And at the time, this was about 12 years ago, and he was going to school at the University of Birmingham in, in the UK. And him and his buddy uh, that he had met, um, his friend was named Andrew. They lived off campus um, in a little apartment. And they were both going to school, and they were both really good friends. And one day he was home and it was the last day before a couple days before it was going to be Christmas break. And for Christmas break, his parents had gone um, to Spain and he was going to join them in, at, in Spain after he finished up the last little bit of school and everything that he had to do. And it was the middle of the day and he just happened to not have class and he was at home. And all of a sudden there was a bang on, on the door, loud bang on the door. And so he got up and, and went to the door and it was Andrew. And he said, well, why didn't he goes, why didn't you use your key? And he says, well, I I've lost my key. I got to come in and talk to you. And he says, okay. And so he came in and, and Andrew was just acting weird. He had a weird vibe to him. Uh, he just, was really kind of angry and upset and he was trying to get Andrew to talk to him. And, and all of a sudden Andrew looks at him and he says, he says, you can't go to Spain this weekend. And he goes, well, well, why not? And he goes, you just can't go. And you got to promise me you're not going to go. 
And so they kind of went back and forth. And the more they talked, the more angry Andrew got at him. And, um, he, you know, just telling him, you're not, don't go to Spain. You're not, don't you, don't go to Spain. And finally, at some point, Noah was like, you know, I, I'm going to go use the restroom. I'll be back. And he had just had to get out of the room because of the feeling in the room and everything was weird. And so he goes into the bathroom and kind of splashes some water on his face. And he hears the, the front door open and close and he comes out and, and Andrew's gone. So he's like, well, that was really weird. <laughs> and so he went back to, you know, working on stuff and watching TV and, Five around five o'clock rolls around and Andrew comes into the house and Noah's like, well, I see you found your key. And he looked at him weird and he's like, what are you talking about? And he said, you know, when you came in at noon and yelled at me and, and had a, we had a big fight <laughs> and Andrew's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've been at school all day long. And and Noah wouldn't believe him. And finally, he got one of their good friends that was had been with him all day at class. Um, I believe it was Andrew's girlfriend at the time. Said, no, he was with me all day in class. And then we went to lunch. And, and he was not here. And so Noah just got this really sick feeling. And he canceled his Christmas in Spain. And he spent all of Christmas watching the news, expecting that, you know, the boat he was going to go on would sink or the train that he was going to go on would crash or something, but nothing ever happened that he saw. But for whatever reason, he knew I wasn't supposed to be there on Christmas. And so he stayed back and he still was never able to figure out who that was pretending to be uh, Andrew that came into the house and physical form, whatever it was, and um, was adamant that he'd not go on Christmas vacation and go on the Christmas trip. And he didn't. But like I said, he never found out if anything would, would have happened. But even 12 years later, when I talked to him, he was convinced if he had gone, something really bad would have happened to him. And um, it's really kind of strange. It's a uh, it's one of those stories I, I interview quite a few people about doppelgangers and uh, this seems to be some sort of warning or something, but usually when you have a doppelganger, there's something, it's kind of a bad omen or something. So who knows why he wasn't supposed to go and what would have happened if he had gone, but it was uh, definitely a really kind of creepy, scary story for sure. But, absolutely oh my gosh good yeah. thing he didn't go because you never know yeah you really don't wow you have, you have no doppelganger idea, so. that's so strange mm -hmm. yeah and and that was one you know i for some reason whatever reason is i'll sometimes get a string of stories that are all connected in that way i'll get a bunch of stories that are either doppelgangers or a bunch of stories in a row that are kind of connected somehow. And that was one of a few doppelganger stories that I got in a row. But I found that really kind of not only fascinating, but weird. And like I said, I, I, I mark that under, you know, doppelgangers and under glitches in the matrix or whatever you want to call it, because 
he's like, no, it was a physical person mm-hmm. because he touched things, but um, was it some? It was somebody pretending to be Andrew because it wasn't really Andrew. So who knows? Well, that's yeah, uh, that is one crazy because it actually stories. opened the door, came yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But it was interesting too that because he knocked. Um, he knocked because he didn't have a key. And when he asked him why he didn't come in with this key, he's like, oh, I lost it, you know. And and that was kind of his first inkling that something was wrong. So, but really, really kind of weird for sure. Yeah. So, but. And then yes. um, my second That's story. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's kind of cool. Um, I really like those kind of stories. And especially it's it's kind of a a rare story too. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, but I, re- I really like that story. Um, the second one I got, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually entitled the Christmas ghost. And I got this story from Angela a little, t- a little while back. She contacted me after reading one of my books and she grew up here in Utah, um, in a town called Ogden in Utah. It's in Northern Utah. And um, at the time when she was a little girl, her grandma and grandpa uh, had a house in Salt Lake City and it was in the older part of Salt Lake City called the Avenues. And the Avenues is full of uh, older homes that were built in 1920 and the early, early 1900s. And this house had been in her family for quite a while. And uh, just beautiful architecture. If you ever get a chance to look at the avenues in Salt Lake City, you'll know what I'm talking about with them. Just they like to build those houses with kind of almost like a a, a parapet, the round part that goes up that looks like a castle almost in a lot of them. And and anyway, she said that um, it was a much older home. And she remembered from very when she was very little um that there were several ghosts there that her and her brother and the family would see. And the first one that she remembered seeing as a little kid, um, she was playing, she would play in the front room. Um, as you walked into the, into the house, you could turn left and go into this little front sitting room, or you could go right and go up the staircase. And there were times when she was little around seven, she remembered the were the, was the first time, um, she would be playing with her dolls in there and she would hear a, a clicking sound like somebody clicking their tongue in, in kind of like disgust or in, you know, kind of, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how she said it, but if you've ever heard anybody click their tongue about, you know, and she remembered looking and there would be this old guy on the staircase with a black suit and he was bald and very skinny. And her brother uh, nicknamed him uh, the N- Monopoly Man because he looked like the guy from the Monopoly game with his black suit and he had glasses. And and he would just look in, at her with, you know, kind of not disbelief, but kind of just shunning her for playing in, in the front room. And then he would walk up the stairs and disappear. And so they would see him every once in a while. And then there was another ghost that she would see every once in a while, which was a a woman in a black dress. And it was an older woman, kind of heavy, heavy set woman. And she had a black dress with um, uh, white um, 
ruffles, um, long sleeve with a right white ruffle, she remembered. But whenever she saw th this lady, it was usually at the top of the stairs, and she would hurry off and around the corner if anybody noticed her. And she had her hair up in a bun. She said she always remembered it was in a big bun on the top of her head. And she would talk to her grandma about it. And her grandma would admit that they're there, but try and calm her and say, you know, they don't, they don't hurt anybody. And, you know, which was, she thought was nice to begin with because they weren't dismissing it. Um, they knew it was there and they weren't really dismissing it, which she appreciated even as a little kid. Well, one Christmas, um, a couple, about four days before Christmas, uh, the, the pipes burst in their basement and they ended up with a big mess at their house. And so grandma and grandpa invited them to come spend um, the weekend and Christmas at their house, which, you know, they were excited about, but she was a little nervous because she didn't like to spend the night at grandma's because of the ghosts. But um, they decided that, you know, they'll be okay. And so they went and, you know, spent a couple of days and everything seemed fine. And then on Christmas Eve, they had a big dinner you know, they had a lot of fun. They went and they sang Christmas carols and sat around the tree. And the tree was in that front um, sitting room where she used to play with the dolls. And so they had a nice evening and then they all went to bed. Well, she woke up around two o'clock, one or two o'clock in the morning and she needed to use the restroom. And there, she said there was a bathroom upstairs, but she thought this would be a perfect time for me to sneak by and see what Santa Claus has had left in the front room. So she used that opportunity to, so, and she said the wooden stairs that went down, they creaked in different spots, but she knew exactly where they didn't creak. So she went down the stairs being really careful. And as she got to the bottom, she could hear somebody crying and she was kind of wondering what was going on. And she walked around to the front room and the lights were on in the tree and it was, they just had white, uh, the, the white lights on the tree and it was casting, um, just a glow around the room. And as she stood there, she saw sitting in a chair next to the Christmas tree was the woman that she had seen every once in a while. And she had her hands in her face, uh, covering her face and she was crying. And, she went from being really afraid at first of seeing her um, as you know, she was 11 at the time. And then just this overwhelming sadness came over her as this woman is crying, you know, and she sit there for a little while trying to figure out what to do, run away or what. And the woman stopped and then went and kind of wiped her eyes. And then she noticed the little girl in the room. She hadn't, she hadn't known she was there. And she was kind of, the woman was kind of shocked for a minute. And then they kind of made eye contact. And the, the old woman smiled at her, you know, with a big grin. And she smiled back and waved, she said. Um, she's like, the fear, the sadness was still there, but the fear had kind of left. And when she waved at her, the, the old woman kind of did a little wave back and then disappeared. And so she ran upstairs, completely forgot she had to use the restroom, ran upstairs, turned the light on in the room she was staying, got under the covers. And she says, I don't know how long I sat under the covers until I fell asleep again, but it was a long time. And then in the morning, you know, she was bound and determined to tell everybody, but 
she decided not to for some reason. She's she kind of kept it to herself. And um, they had had experience, like I said, growing up in the house. And now she's grown up. She has children of her own. You know, it's been many, many years ago. The house is no longer in the family. But, you know, she thought about the older she got, the feelings that she had and why the woman was crying. And she she really hoped that seeing her had given her some sort of comfort. Um, but um, it was very obvious when she, she said that it was something about the Christmas tree and the season, whatever, was was just really affecting the spirit, which could be any number of things, you know. Um, missing loved ones or, you know, whatever it could have been. But uh, it was really kind of a a sad, sweet, scary story all wrapped into one um, all around the Christmas Christmas season. Yeah. So. Yeah. And she saw her because she waved back. So mm -hmm. she saw her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, they even, that's creepy. So. so it wasn't like a... Yeah. Yeah. It so wasn't, it, wasn't like a, it was a, like a glitch in time somehow. I wonder something. what. Yeah. Yeah. Either it was a glitch in time where they, she was back then, whatever time period, or, or maybe she was a spirit, but they somehow interacted through the, through the veil or, you know, who knows? It's just one of those things where, um, she was able to interact with it. Ooh, I and, got chicken skin. I know. <laughs> And, uh, so I, you know, I love, I love stories like that, especially about old homes like that, where, uh, I've, I've had several different stories and in places where, you know, older homes, you know, have ghosts that are still there that resided there in life and they still reside there now. And, and it, it lets kind of lets me know in a way that, you know, you gotta be careful because your feelings and stuff still go with you. And so you hate to go on without resolving stuff in this life um, and have to wait till whenever to try and resolve it. But um, I, I love Christmas and I love, you know, I like, I really love um, the Christmas Carol because it, it, it combines that creepy ghosts with Christmas theme, which you wouldn't think would go together, <laughs> but does beautifully. So, <laughs> But it does. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So and I know I think um in recent times I guess Krampus has gotten pretty um pretty I guess not famous again, but kind of getting people are kind of I, I guess it's yeah. getting popular again in culture. Yeah. That resurgence of Krampus. Because there's this Krampus night or Krampus Knot. Yeah, Krampus Knots, yeah. People do. They dress up as Krampus, mm -hmm. Krampus Knox. Yeah, and and I do love you, it. There's a you know there's any a kind of here. history or, or? Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. I cut you off there. Um, no, yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a, a European um, sorry, tradition. So uh, it's a European tradition that I know that um, uh, Krampus comes from, and it's tied into um, a, a pagan. Um, individual uh that would punish children rather than obviously rewarding them i know that here in utah there's a town um where they do a parade with krampus and a lot of people dress up like krampus and 
Um, I would actually oh, love really? to go to that. Yeah. I mean, it looks oh. so fun and, and scary and fun all at the same time. And um, because, I mean, I have <laughs> European heritage. And um, so I love, you know, I would love to bring, I would love to bring that to one of my small towns that I'm near or something that, to do that. Because um, I, th- I think it's, it's fun and it brings the scary into it. And anytime you can bring the scary into it, I think it's good. So. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Thank you so much. I loved your stories. They're amazing. All your stories are always so good. I love them. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sorry, I think there's a delay in, in our in our recording. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's all good. So, where can people reach you at? Where can they find you? So you can find my books on strangerbridgerland.com is my website. That's how you can contact me. Um, my books um, are under the Stranger Bridgerland book series on Amazon. And you can find those on paperback or Kindle there. And I do have a few on Audible. I will eventually have them all on Audible. But that's the best place to get a hold of me or mm-hmm. or listen to my books. So I love Audibles. Are you reading it? No, but I think I will the next few. I think I will. Me and my wife are going to do the next few. So Awesome. That's awesome. And so when is your next book number? Is it number eight, right? That's coming out? Yep, number eight. Um, it should be out next year. Um, I'm hoping. It, usually I do August, but this one might be a little bit earlier. I'm, I'm trying to finish it up and and get through this one is going to be stranger utah i'm going to focus on a few states now um and then still collect from all over the world so awesome yeah so i'm excited about that awesome i can't wait yeah yeah and and how's your podcast because you and your wife do it right yeah, me and my wife have a podcast. Um, we missed this last week, but we're going to do another one today. So we'll have another one out. And that one's the Stranger Bridgerland oh. podcast. So Awesome. I listened to that too. So I love you guys. You guys are great together. Oh, I wish you. I had a partner that I can banter back and forth like that. <laughs> yeah, It makes great. it so much better. Yeah, it's great. She's she's really great she's to great. talk to. So yeah, she's fun and and she's got a great voice too. So yeah, yeah. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, perfect all around. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Send so her much. my love. I will. Thank you. Thank you so much, John, for those enthralling tales and giving us a glimpse into your upcoming work. It's always a pleasure to dive into the mysteries you uncover in your stories. Thanks, John. And moving on to a realm of ghostly tales to another intriguing and somewhat darker holiday character, let's talk about Krampus. Unlike the jolly gift-giving Santa Claus, Krampus plays a very different role in holiday folklore. Known for his figure of fear for those who've been naughty, then nice. The legend of Krampus adds a unique twist to our holiday tradition. So, let's explore the chilling lure of Krampus 
and what it tells us about the diverse ways we celebrate and caution during this festive season. Listen in. I am Krampus, the shadow of St. Nicholas, emerging from a folklore of alpine countries. On December's cold nights, I roam not to reward, but to punish the wayward, a stark reminder of the balance between light and dark. <laughs> My goat demon form harks back to ancient pagan traditions, a contrast to St. Nicholas's benevolence. The clank of chains and the sound of birch branches announce my presence, a warning to all. <laughs> From pre-Christian winter solstice rituals to a figure tied to Christmas, I've retained my primal essence. My story isn't just about instilling fear. It's about respecting old ways and maintaining balance. Krampus not, the night of my celebration, sees rivalers embracing these darker, festive aspects. <laughs> While St. Nicholas rewards the good, I stand as a figure of punishment, an embodiment of ancient traditions and tales passed through generations. A creature born from folklore's darkest parts. My glowing eyes search in the winter darkness. My fur bristling in the cold. My long red tongue. My twisted horns, a crown of intimidation. And my gaping maw of terror to the misbehaved as they gaze at my long, sharp teeth. <laughs> the drag of my chains, the symbol of wrongdoings, and see the birch branch, a relic of pagan rituals. To some, I'm a myth for discipline. To others, a symbol of an era when fear and respect were intertwined. I represent the consequences of actions and the balance of the season. I'm not just a counterpart to St. Nicholas. I am a whisper in the winter wind. <laughs> a shadow in the corner of your eye. As Krampus, I testify to the richness of folklore, a necessary element in the heart of winter. The naughty face their fears in me. <laughs> They learn from their misdeeds and are put into my sack. <laughs> In some regions, my legend is celebrated with parades, a nod to ancient traditions. I am more than a monster. I am a critical part of the season's balance. <laughs> I am Krampus, 
The shadow in the night, a necessary part of Christmas, as much as any joyous element, a lesson in the quiet moments of reflection. to an end of another episode of the Sensible Hippie Podcast, I want to thank my guest John Olson for sharing with us today those chilling tales from his Stranger Bridgeland series and giving us a special preview of his upcoming book. It's been a fascinating journey into the shadowy corners of holiday tradition and mysterious lure. Thanks, John. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in and embarking on this exploration with me today. Your curiosity and passion for uncovering hidden truth and stories is what makes this podcast so special. Remember, the holiday season is a time of diversity and riches in traditions and belief, each adding its unique thread to our lives. So, this Christmas Eve, why not revive a forgotten Victorian tradition? Gather around, dim the lights, and share a ghost story or two. It's a nod to a bygone era and a unique way to connect with the deeper, more reflective side of this holiday season. And until the next time, embrace the mystery and the magic of the holidays in your own unique way. So thank you again, and until the next time, bye!